Well, praise the wonderful name of Jesus, everybody. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you once again for joining me for more Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to continue in the series entitled Living for Christ. Today's subtitle is Victory in Jesus. My friends, you don't know what victory is until you find out what Jesus did for you on the cross. I'm telling you, it is thrilling. And once you meditate in God's word, your life becomes free. All right. Without any further ado, here comes today's message entitled Victory in Jesus right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Praise God. We're right here now in part number six of the series entitled of the series uh, entitled Living for Christ, Living for Christ. And I am so glad that you are here. Um, I pray that all of you have had the opportunity to hear the messages again, either on CD or hear them online or DVD. Praise the Lord. I pray that you've always uh, that you've had an opportunity to do, to do that. All right, let's go and get started. It is. Let me say this again. I said this last week, but I want to just reiterate it um, that it is the responsibility of the church to make disciples and not merely church members. There's a difference between a disciple and a church member. Disciples are committed, devoted followers of Christ. A disciple is a committed, devoted follower of Christ. I can say to you this way. Not every church member is a disciple. But all disciples should be church members. I believe the Lord will lead them that way. Does that make sense to you? Like the video we just heard a moment ago, I don't want us to have a form or or fashion. I want us to be like Jesus. So that is what this church is here to do. That is why I stand here every week uh, to do my best in the Lord to bring you closer to Christ, to bring you at one with God, to form that oneness, that the barriers that block us from being one with God will be torn down and that we will become one with him. That's why we're here. Now, if that's your destination as well, then great. We can continue together. We can fellowship together. Amen. Hallelujah. But I don't believe there's anybody here that came here today for a social club or anything like that. So thank God. I don't think anybody came here today to find somebody to warm their beds tonight. (laughs) Putting it mildly because that is the case in so many places. You understand that, right? How sad. But that is the state of many of our churches today. It has become a carnal place, carnal, fleshly place. But that is not this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I pray today that the word of God will come forth in such a way that it will challenge you, that it will exhort you, that it will comfort you and encourage you. 
Praise Jesus. But again, it is the responsibility of the church to make disciples, not merely church members. Disciples are fully committed, devoted followers of Christ, and that is our duty to become fully committed, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And to declare what he said. He says, I'm holy, then I am holy. He says, I'm sanctified, then I am sanctified. Amen. Amen. So we come into this place to receive more information and an impartation of his spirit that will preferably one day end the debate between your ears. Did you get that one? Yeah. That will end that debate. Let God's word be the end of it. He said it. That's it. Amen. All right. Uh, Second Corinthians five. Let's go back there. Second Corinthians five, verse 14 through 15. Let me read it for you. And it says this. Either way, Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for all. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. Verse 15, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Jesus died on that cross. He gave his life. The Father gave his son so that we would not live for ourselves, to ourselves, but so that we would live for him. I can't get a lot of amens on that one. He wants us to live for him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says this out of the King James Version. It says, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I love that. He says again, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So let's agree with God. If you receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, If you believe in his finished work and have received him and are leaning on or relying on the finished work of Jesus for your salvation, then you can declare that I am the righteousness of God. Here again, see, that's another verse. Again, we've gone over the last six, at least six times now that somehow does not stick to us. Got to meditate on it. That when God wants to show his righteousness in the earth, he points to you. Dear Jesus, to be a showcase. Now, he just said that you are his righteousness. Let's say it again. Let's read it again. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Talking about Jesus. God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin. That we may, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, some, sometimes this, that doesn't stick to us because we look at our own selves. We look in the mirror. You're looking at flesh. You're not looking at what God said. You see, we've got to, we've got to move to the point where we move past our own human experience, yes. our own human intellect, our own uh, thoughts or teachings that we've received in school or, or that culture has taught us. We move past all of that and identify with what God said and say what he said must be true. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
moving past the point. Jesus said, you've healed me. Lord, you said by your stripes I'm healed. Well, then I move past the pain I feel in my body. I move past the discomfort. I move past these IVs that are in my arm. I move past all of that. And I declare what you said is true. I am healed. You see, I, we move past that point and we begin to defy the natural. Everything else that says contrary is a lie. And we can say that with authority, with power and conviction. Why? Because we're standing on God's word. We're standing on his word. Hallelujah. But what if I die? Well, then I died in the faith. Put on my tombstone. Here lies a man who believed God until he died. Then I step out of this body and I step into the next. I step into the next life. Hallelujah. Full of faith and belief in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. So let's let God's word become our new reality. And I believe as we continue to believe in what he said and confess what he said, walk in what he said, I believe we'll see what he said. Amen. Amen. Part one of the series, we spoke from the subject of he did it for you. Part two, finished. Part three, God without religion. Part four, fruits of righteousness. Part five, last week, be good. Be good. Remember, be good. It can be taken two ways. One, as a command, God is commanding you to be good, but not so much as he's commanding you to be good as if he is causing you to be good. For you to be, that is, become his goodness in the earth. He puts his goodness on you. He works his goodness out through you. And you are good, and those that are good will do good. Amen. Those that are good will find it easy to be good. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Other than that, we find that people are just striving to do good works. And an evil man, hear me, an evil man can do something that is good. Yeah, an evil man can do something that is good, but he cannot keep on doing it because that's not his nature. An evil man can do good, but not for very long. Sooner or later, you're going to see that evil pop up again. But a good man, a good man may do evil, but it's not his nature. Sooner or later, he's going to come, come up again and do good. Does that, that make sense to you? All right. So we should strive. I don't want anyone to strive to be good. I think we're missing the mark when we're striving to be good. We're striving to manufacture goodness. I'm going to be good today. I'm not going to sin. I'm going to do good today. I'm not going to do it. Oh, she's making me mad. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Oh, he make me mad. Mm, no, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. I'm not. Mm, mm, I can taste that profanity in my mouth. Mm, 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 mm. I can taste it. Mm. Oh, I feel that face in my hand so bad. Oh, hand, I rebuke you. Spirit a slap I rebuke you you will not you will not <sighs> being a little light of the situation but understand what I'm saying to you God doesn't want us to 
strive after being good. He wants us to become good. That is, let his goodness work through us. Remember, an apple tree does not have to be forced to produce an apple. It's just what it does. Just what it does. Oranges just produce oranges. Orange trees produce oranges. That's just what it does. And that's the, the true definition of Christianity versus that of religion. Religion, remember, works on the outside uh, inwardly, but God works from the inside, from the heart outwardly. He changes your nature. It's just what you do. Just what I do. I do what I do. Amen? All right, so we talked also about a process of goodness. There's God has a process of goodness that makes the sinner good. God's process of goodness to make the sinner good. Or, and we said, of course, that God is good. Scripture says God is good. All the time and all the time, God is good. God is good. So when we become good, we become like God. We become godly. Are you hearing? God has a process of making the sinner good. And this is what we'll talk about today, a little bit more about that process as we move forward in part number six. I think this is six. Yes. Part six of this series. And we're going to subtitle this uh, victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. Let's go now to Romans, the third chapter, or you can just listen. Romans three, verse 20, Uh, Romans three, verse 20. And it says this, or you can just make a note. I'm going to move along a little bit faster today. Romans 3, verse 20, make a note. I'm going to read this to you out of the New Living Translation, then we'll go further. It says here, for, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Remember, the law is the knowledge, basically the knowledge of good and evil. The law is God's righteous standard that he's given to man. Man says, hey, I can be good. I can be good without God. God said, okay, well, let's prove that. Here is a set of commands I will give you. If you can fulfill these set of commands, then it would prove that you are good. So man tried his best to fill these set of commands, but he cannot continue to keep them. Because man in his fallen nature is not good. Fallen man is not good. Fallen man is innately inside, internally uh, wicked. Unregenerated man is wicked. There's wickedness on the inside of him. There's bad on the inside of him. So he cannot keep God's standard or keep God's law in himself in the fallen condition. This is why he has to be born again, twice born, born once from mother's womb, second born, born of the spirit, becoming born again, believing in Jesus. Then he receives the nature of Christ and the nature of Christ and the spirit of God becomes to live on the inside of him, making that man then good. Hallelujah. But here's the kicker. Once he becomes born again. Once he received Jesus as Lord and Savior, uh, as Christ is in him, he could meet that standard. But Christ takes that standard away, fulfilling that standard. And you no longer live under that standard anymore. As we go on, it'll make a little bit more sense to you. 
Verse 20 tells you as well why the law was given. It says the law simply shows us how sinful we are. The law of God is good and it is like a mirror. Man says, hey, I can be good. I can be like God without God. I can be good. I can be like God without God. Okay, God says, all right, well, here's his law and the law of God works like a mirror. You think you're pretty good, looking pretty good until you look in that mirror. And you realize that there is collard greens between your teeth? <laughs> realize that you only have finished one side of your hair? Makeup is crooked? The two blacks, black shirt, black bottoms that you thought matched? One is navy blue. <laughs> you cannot look at another man for an image because one person would say, hey, you look great. I really like the that 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 green was that a fashion statement that green bit right there in your teeth was that is that a new kind of grill it's not gold anymore is that what they're doing now it looks great one person says great the next person says oh no you are taught from the flow up what's wrong with you man's measurements are off there is no certainty with man, but there is one with God. That's why he gave us his standard, his mirror. And his mirror shows up everything. And so what man was meant to do, he was meant to see the sin, see his sin in God's mirror, and then cry out for salvation. God, save me from this. God, save me from this. Redeem me from this. I see these faults. I see my flaws. I see this. And Lord, it terrifies me. I'm rich. I'm undone. Save me. But the wicked hearts of man thought to take God's law and try his best to fulfill the law, creating something called religion. Instead of crying out to God, we began to try to do our best to focus on these do's and don'ts. And when one person out of the group seemed to be doing better than others, we lift them up and say, oh, how holy you are. Oh, here's a nice pedestal for you. You are so holy. Please show us how to do what you do. Please show us how to do what you do. And so the attention is taken from an intimate relationship with God. And now it's on keeping these lists of things. And the better we keep these lists of things, the better we feel about ourselves. The focus is no longer on God. The focus is on the list of things. But the list of things was not given to make you holy. The list of things was given to show you your faults so that you would cry out to him and that he would come and straighten you out. Say, straighten me out, Lord. So let's talk a little bit. Let's talk about God's remedy to this whole situation for the brief time that we have here today. God's remedy is found in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Again, let me read it again. It says, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, here again, man tries through religion to be good or to be right. 
But God said that that won't work. The rightness that you need to have is only supplied through Jesus Christ. God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I love that word might be made. Say might be made. Which means there's a possibility that mankind won't be made into the righteousness of God. God always gives us a choice. It's up to you and I to, to cast that deciding vote. Are you going to be made right with God? Will you receive the righteousness that he provides? We have to say amen to that. Okay, now what is righteousness? And we're going to really look at this and go a little bit further today. Righteousness is God, rather, let me say it this way. The righteousness of God is all that God demands and approves. And is ultimately found in Christ himself. Who fully met and who fully met uh, in our stead every requirement of the law through what's through here's a fancy word imputation. All right. Through imputation, Christ is made unto us righteousness. Now, imputation means the process of laying the responsibility or blame upon another. This is how Christ made you right. This is how Christ gave you the victory through imputation. That is, he places the blame on someone else, not you. Much like uh, the Bible declares, I believe in the book of Leviticus, uh, talks about the scapegoat, how the worshiper would come to the house of God and on the day of atonement, they would select two goats. One goat would be sacrificed in the house, his blood would be shed over everything, but the second goat uh, the priest would bring the, the goat over to him and he would confess. He would lay his hands upon the goat's head and he would confess over the goat the sins of all the people. Adultery, fornication, lying, cheating. He would confess over the goat all those sins. And then someone else would come and take that goat out into the wilderness, far outside of the camp, far outside the camp. And then they would let him go. Thus being the scapegoat, he took the blame or responsibility for all of my sins. And now I am blameless because the blame has been taken away from me. Now I have no sin because the sin has been taken away from me. Now the wrath of God falls on the goat. Sorry, Mr. Goat. Now the wrath of God falls upon a lamb. The goat was innocent. The lamb innocent. But the wrath, the judgment, the condemnation fell on him, fell on him so that we could go free. Scapegoat. So we become the righteousness of God through imputation. God imputed. He imputed our sins that is upon another another paid the price for us another received the wrath or the vengeance of God for us the vengeance or the wrath of God that was made for me that was meant for me another received it and so that when I now go into the presence of God and I make my request to him he does not see my sin because my sin was laid upon another And what he sees is the blood of the other animal in the temple. Amen. 
whose innocent blood was shed. And now upon me, there's innocence. There is righteousness. Of course, we know John the Baptist identified Jesus as the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Listen to that. He saw John the Baptist was in the River Jordan baptizing. Here comes Jesus. And John points him out. Behold, the Lamb of God. Much like the scapegoat. The Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Jesus came to take my sins away. He came to take your sins away. Now, because he's done that, because now the Bible declares that you are now righteous. All those who receive the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, all those who call him Lord, all those that choose to believe in him, to believe on, rely in him and trust in him. All of those God now declares righteous. Why? Because he looks and sees no sin. Why? Because all the sin has been taken away. He looks down and see blood, innocent blood. You must be innocent. He sees the blood of his son shed on your behalf and he can receive you into his presence. Does that make sense? So when someone that is born again says, oh, I'm not holy. To me, I would say that is a blasphemous word or word that is spoken in ignorance. You say, oh, I'm, I'm not righteous. I'm not righteous. Once again, you are speaking against the work of what Jesus did for you. Because he went through a whole lot. He took the sins away. What, what happened to the sins? We can look back and here again, the book of Leviticus, when the goat was, uh, his blood was shed there in the temple, then they would take his body and they would burn his body up completely. Burn his body up completely. So here again, no more record of it. What happened to Jesus after he took the sin away on the cross? He went down well out. Of course, the, uh, um, the place of the, the skull, Golgotha, was outside of the town. Outside, once again, fulfilling that commandment. Outside of town. He hung on a cross, scapegoat, took the sins outside of town. Well, who... Well, who put him on the cross? I mean, who was the instigating force? Was it the Romans? Well, the Romans were the the law of the day, yes. But who was behind it? Who brought Jesus to the Romans? It was the religious leaders. It was the priests. Well, who conducted uh, religious ceremonies in the Old Testament? It was the priests. So the priests brought the uh, lamb. The priests brought the animal of sacrifice. The priests did it, and the same thing happened there. The priests said, here is the lamb. The priests said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. It was the priests who did. And they crucified him outside of town. The lamb crucified outside of town. And then the Bible says that he spent the three days, three nights in the lower parts of the earth in hell. There's fire in hell. The body of sin is burned up. No, no more remembrance of sin. The body of sin is burned up. Well, what comes up? 
What comes up then, since the sin has been destroyed, what comes up? The Lamb of God, pure and holy, sanctified. How do we know that God received the sacrifice? Well, because the Father raised Jesus up on the third day. Because Jesus now sits at the right hand of the Father. There's nothing unholy, nothing unholy, nothing impure in heaven. So for Jesus to sit on the right hand of God means, now catch a hold of this, we see one scene, Jesus sitting on the right hand of the Father, holy, sinless, nothing wrong in him. A few days earlier, we see he has made sin for us. All of the sin of humanity is on him. So it goes from all sin being on him, my sin, your sin, all the way back to the sin of Adam. All sin being on him, scapegoat, spoken over him, he receives it to a few days later, none whatsoever. Something has to happen between these two points. The sin was completely burned up. No more record of it. So when God looks at you and he says, righteous, holy, justified, we have to say yes, amen. And so it is. Why? It was because you were so good. Was it because you did a lot of good? No, absolutely not. It was because of the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. We rest on his righteousness. We rest on his works. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, this is wonderful. Uh, Listen to this. First Corinthians one, verse 30. Listen to how this reads out the NIV. Once again, it says here, first Corinthians one, chapter one, verse 30 says this. God has united us with Christ Jesus. Wow. What a statement. He united someone that was a sinner, someone that was filthy, someone that was vile, united with someone that is extremely, that is holiness. You remember what you did, right? United me with him? Something supernatural has to take place in between. Are you hearing? God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. I love this next one. Same verse. It says, Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Oh, let me say that again. This is so good. I could jump back. This is so good, Ray. You ready for this? Let me read it again. Christ made us right with God. Say, Christ made me right with God. Apart from my good works or my bad works. You hear that? Say with me, Christ made me right with God. Listen, he made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. One more time. He say he made me pure and holy and freed me from sin. See, that's another one of those things that the brain just goes, eh, 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 eh. God, I'm not saying you're lying, but 
I see this. Eh, eh. Malfunction, malfunction. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, danger, danger. Yeah, lost in space. You got digging that. We freak out about that. What do you mean? Here again. Move past your own human experiences. Move it out of the way. Move past what you see you have done. Move past what you know about yourself. Move past all of that. What people have said to you, move past all of it. Push it all out the way and see what God says about you. His word must be true. His word is truth. So God said to you that Christ has made you pure and holy. And he has freed you from sin. Now that's another big one. Say with me, I'm free from sin. sin. And we're going to really get into this. Are are y'all pulling with me today? Now, because you are a believer and that you've now been also made right with God, because now you are the righteousness of God, there are at least 11 things that are true about you. And let me give you these 11 things. One is you won't fear on the day of judgment. No need to fear on the day of judgment because you are no longer accounted to God's wrath. Secondly, um, you qualify for all the blessings that God has for you. Amen. Say with me, I'm qualified. qualified. Jesus is your co-signer. Amen. Does that make sense to you? Yes. You know your credit jacked up, up and down all around town. But you got somebody to co-sign for you. And his credit is good. Is excellent. Is superior. Say, so your signature is not worth anything, but Jesus is. That's why when you pray, you don't sign your name. Father, in my name, I pray. No, you use the signature that he gave you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This is then answered. I'm using the name that he gave me. Tell me, I qualify for all of God's blessings. That's because you are the righteousness of God in him. Thirdly, uh, you can be truly intimate with God now. You can be as intimate with God, as close to God now as you want to be because of what Jesus has done. You have freedom from religious labors. Hallelujah. Freedom from shame and guilt. Because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You have power over the enemy. Hallelujah. You have power over the flesh. You have power over sin. You have power over sickness and disease. You have supernatural authority. It's at your disposal. He gives them to you, the kings of the kingdom. The kingdom is not a car sitting out in the parking lot. Lastly, he has separated you from evil unto God, unto good. Remember, you are, you, we may be in the world, but we are not of the world. A separation has occurred. So we say all these things. Now we have to say yes and amen, and we have to admit, God, that seems mighty far-fetched. Lord, that seems mighty far-fetched, but I believe what you're saying about me. Help me to believe it and receive it. 
help me to move past my own experience. Because listen, every bad thing that you've done, you've seen it. We gather most of our knowledge in this world by the things that we see. And we have, you are a first-hand witness of some of the bad things you've done. But you have to move past that and agree with what God said. Are you with me? Again, God has, God has a way of making the sinner right with him, making the sinner righteous. Apart from uh, the trappings of religion, the answer, of course, is in Jesus Christ, God's atoning sacrifice. I really want to get more into that. His atoning sacrifice. However, unlike religion, as we said before, unlike religion, God works his righteousness from the heart outward. Remember, religion's goal is to change what you do. But relationship is to change who you are. When who you are changes, the world around you will change. Amen. You seen those movies, uh, Freaky Friday and all this stuff from Disney? Yeah. Any of those? Yeah. When the mom and daughter switch bodies and all that. Amen. Same body, but the nature is different. Amen. Not a mama goes to school and, and, and begins to act a different way. And the friends are going like, what's wrong with you? So? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? No, no, no. You know, she begins to act totally different. The daughter goes to the mother's workplace in the mama's body and everybody, oh, are you okay today? Why is your hair different? Why are you acting differently? Same body, but the nature has changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One Sunday morning early, just about the break of dawn, God gave you a nature change. Christ stepped in. And now let's stop fighting him and agree with what he's saying and doing. Amen. 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 Let's go just a little bit further today. Again, however, unlike religion, God's way starts from the heart and works his way outward. Uh, when your heart is right toward God, everything, everything else in your life will fall into place. When the heart is right, everything else falls into place. Jesus has defeated sin, so when sin becomes an issue in a believer's life, there's got to be something wrong in the heart because Jesus has defeated sin. He has defeated the sin nature. He has done it. It's defeated. So anytime you see sin crop up in your life, it's a zombie. It's reanimated flesh. It's dead. Does that make sense to you? It's not alive. It's a ghost trying to convince you that it's still alive, but it's dead. Jesus defeated it. There's something still within this body, something still within this flesh that attracts it to us. And when that thing is completely taken away, then that sin will no longer be an issue in our lives. But it's already defeated. We don't strive to defeat sin. It's already defeated. 
When you say within yourself, oh, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to really fight you, sin. I'm going to really fight you. <laughs> yeah, it's laughing because it's already defeated. We simply have to stand in our place of victory in Jesus, our place of victory, and declare to it, you're dead. You're defeated. Jesus won the victory over you. And then we confess those desires that are still within us, confess them before God, and ask him to cleanse us from those desires that bring sin into our lives. It's like a wild animal. It can smell blood. And so it becomes attracted to you. Because the issue is still there. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's attracted. Yeah. So this is why you, when you try to stop in your flesh, opportunities keep coming up. Because the womb is still open. The wound is still open. And until the wound completely heals, you're still going to have problems in that area. But it is defeated. It comes to tempt you, tries to come to convince you that it's not over. But Jesus said it's over. It is really over. Oh, Lord, 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 I have so much more. So much more we could talk about today. But I think we're going to have to get into a part number seven. I pray, you've heard, I pray you've heard and received the word of God today. We'll stop right there. Give God a hand of praise in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Lord, today we receive your word as true fact. We receive your word as true fact. Receive your word as our new reality. Jesus is our scapegoat. He is our lamb that comes to take away the sin in the world. And because you have taken away our sin, we are free to worship you. We're free to honor you. We're free to grow in intimacy with you because you have taken that away. Lord, continue to lead us throughout the week and help us to meditate on what you said that we can grow in it and become what you've called us to be. In the name of the Lord. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.